You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. This is Ozma Jaffrey. And this is Zeba Hassan. And happy Monday. Is it Monday? I always, I'm like, lose track of time nowadays. It is Monday, oh, it's right? definitely a Monday. It's definitely a Monday. Considering how it started. <laughs> okay. So can I just say, we're trying to get Ozma on. I'm like, what the heck? This is not like her. Like, she's so, I mean, she's like the on top of it lady. And I'm like, did something happen to Rania? Like, my heart's beating fast. But then I did tell Joe, two things would have happened and a family emergency <laughs> or this girl is still sleeping and i'm glad to say she's still sleeping it was the second and not the first so i'm glad you got your sleep after fudger and i mean you look beautiful considering you had five minutes to get ready lady yeah you know you only need head and shoulders right exactly so don't ask what's going on downstairs <laughs> like, let's not talk about what's going on below and but yeah why don't you tell everybody what you're doing and why you're um so exhausted my dear friend <laughs> We're moving, right? So we move on Tuesday and I'm sitting currently in my um, walk-in closet that is completely empty. So it's so interesting to go through the house and clean up 12 years of memories. And one of the things that I was cleaning out yesterday was my spice cabinet. Do you have a spice cabinet? Oh yes, I have a drawer and I clean it out every three months. Okay, see, you're awesome because I have glob jamun mix. You know that? Oh no, get rid of yeah, that stuff. Apparently, it's from 2008. Ew, <laughs> like you have to get rid of this stuff. No, every three to well, four months, I do a massive Well, some of them I kept because I'm like, does masala go bad? Really, guys? Does it go bad? I mean, I don't know if it goes bad, but do you want masala that you bought when you were married when you were first married like honestly it's kind of a memento right yeah, no because back then i didn't know how to use it uh, yeah, and, i had no business having you're it you're like what was going on <laughs> like, i don't use masala mix at all i do have to say that like i'm i'm just kind of okay. like a go it hurts my stomach so i just can't do it not that i'm saying oh. there's anything wrong with it it just doesn't sit well with me but yeah if it's yeah you know, in the early 2000s, I would have to say it's probably safe to throw away. Yeah, they're all from they're all from before 2010. Oh, yeah, no. So I did a lot of no. throwing away, but I saved some, like the unopened. They're vacuum sealed in those foil packs still. Okay, I will. They're like unopened. I'll take your word for it since you obviously did not want to throw it away. So I'm glad you were able to I think to expiration dates are a suggestion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I have to say, maybe it's a thing because whenever we go back to my in-law's house, and I love my mother-in-law, but we tease yeah. her all the time. And my kids are always like, Daddy John, Ew. when was this? do you know this is expired <laughs> and they'll say that she says the same as you it's just a suggestion it's not really like, this was from last year when we were here why is it still in your fridge the, one, <laughs> the ones i threw away were the ones that didn't have an expiration date because at one point in time products were coming from india and pakistan that did not have an expiration date and then it became became illegal so those I threw away. Okay, I'm glad you got rid of the illegal contraband. Like, I'm very thankful that you were doing it. Good. So you were up packing. Everybody's healthy. So what's on our hot topic list for today, Fuzma? 
our soapbox for today is, um, I don't know, I'm not an avid Twitter person. So if you are, then you're already aware. Um, I believe it was yesterday that the president tweeted out a white power video. So he's not even hiding it anymore. The fact that he is totally demented or a white supremacist is like out there. Like he's telling you who he is. He is admitting it. He's letting us all know that he thinks they are very fine people. So please y'all follow CARE, the Council of American Islamic Relations, and they are uh, currently pursuing the White House and trying to get them to suspend his Twitter account. Because can you imagine like how empowering this is for Nazis overseas? Can you imagine what they're going to do? They've already walked in with assault weapons into Masajid in New Zealand and killed a bunch of Muslims. Like this is going to give them license to do it, not just on our own soil, but to do it on other soils. So our Muslim brothers and sisters across the planet are at risk right now. So follow the work of CARE, donate to them, sign whatever petitions they have to suspend the presidential Twitter account because not only is he giving America a bad name and making made us the laughing stock of the world, guys, Europe isn't going to let Americans on European soil for the near and far future. So anybody who wants to um, go see you know, history or pretty places, we're already banned over there. Can you imagine what's going to happen after this Twitter account gets read by millions of people and European governments and other governments across the planet. Um, so yeah, be proud uh, of who you are. Be proud of being American. And don't let this president piss all over our reputation any more than he already has. I mean, it couldn't have been more blatant. There is uh, an account of a woman in Minnesota, a Muslim woman with a four-year-old child who is basically stalked by hell's angels and skinheads and had to escape like the staff at the restaurant she was at, the outdoor restaurant, had to escort her. And eventually police ended up having to escort her to her vehicle because they locked eye contact. And, you know, <clears throat> she felt targeted and afraid. And they were basically following her. So she's got photographs posted on the Internet. If you want to go look that up, I'm not going to give you her name, but you can easily search her. Um, and it is public, so um, you can see it. But this is the same day that the president tweets out a white supremacist video. So enough with white power. We know that the majority of the world isn't white anyway. Get over it, guys. We're all black. All right. That's my soapbox for today. I always love your perspective. This month, I'm super excited that we're going to be featuring moms with very unique perspectives um, and point of views. And like, is this our power month? Are we kicking off our power month? Um, Uzma, this is moms outside the box. Moms outside the box. Yes. Uzma does all of our stuff. And she always tells me to read the notes ahead of time. And I do not. And I'm one of those bad <laughs> school people that just kind of wings it as I go along. And thankfully, she puts up with me. So we are talking about moms outside the box and how to um, like support other women that are thinking outside of what the norm is. And I wanted, I'm super excited because I got a chance to talk to her while Uzma was sleeping um, after Fudger uh, and get to know <laughs> Dr. Najwa Javed, um, who is a board certified foot and ankle surgeon um, out of California, mom of two, 10 and eight, and the founder of Beauty and the Brains of Imar Italy, a high heel that's, are you guys ready for this? Like, actually good for you. So thank you so much and welcome Dr. Javed. We really appreciate you on the show today. Assalamualaikum guys. How are you this morning? We are so good. You look gorgeous, mashallah. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> 
I'm so excited to be here with you guys this morning, and I loved everything that you guys were talking about. Uzma, great job on your soapbox. Oh, great. Thank you. So yes. tell us a little bit about your mom's story and um, how, uh, how you came to be a mother and what your mothering philosophy is. Wow, that's a loaded question to start off with, right? But all right, let's dive right that's in. That's a huge question, I know. <laughs> so my mother's story. So I am a uh, mom of two kids, and uh, their ages are 10 and uh, 8. And I guess the most significant part about my story personally to me is that um, my first one was born um, when I was in residency, which to me, you know, in retrospect, when I think back at it, it was a really tough and difficult time. Um, you know, for anybody just, you know, in medicine, a residency is a very demanding um, time in your career and you have to be 100% every day, you know, you have to show up and I had a very um, complicated pregnancy, but we had had a couple of miscarriages beforehand and so I really, really wanted this baby and I was just praying to God that, you know, like let everything go well. And um, one of the things that happened was is that my residency director, who was a great guy, was like, Najwa, you know, if you take off time more than six weeks, like you'll have to forfeit your residency. And to me, that was just like heartbreaking. I was like, I can't forfeit my residency, but I want to have this baby. And so, you know, I uh, went through, um, you know, Alhamdulillah, I had the baby and then took six weeks off and went back to, you know, my 60 to 80 hour shift or whatever it was um, during the second and third year of my residency program. And, you know, it was really tough. It was really hard, but it just got me thinking that, you know, for women who are pursuing like any type of profession, their biological clock and like their professional clock are just never going to meet. And so you just have to do what's right for yourself. And we, I was able to, and Alhamdulillah, like I have a really amazing husband. And even though he was, you know, um, leading a startup at that time, like he really kind of pulled his weight and he would like help me with the baby. And uh, my second daughter, when she was born, it was also a surprise. We weren't expecting to get pregnant, but I got pregnant when my son was two. And um, I had just started my new job. And <laughs> I was like, I can't believe like I'm just starting this new job and I'm pregnant and my pregnancy is so complicated. But, you know, I, again, just hustled through it. And, um, you know, Marshall and now I have two beautiful, healthy children, which is all I wanted. And um, motherhood has been amazing for me. And uh, I was able to, you know, build my practice. I ended up buying out my practice. And then from there, um, I started to, as my children were getting older and bigger and my responsibilities were getting more and more with them, all of a sudden I had this like desire, I guess you could call it, of uh, designing a shoe line. So that in itself has taken its own journey <laughs> as if I didn't have enough on my plate already. But it's been wonderful, and uh, motherhood is just something so beautiful, and I, um, you know, would love for every woman to experience it if they want it. I love all of that because the work-life balance, I feel like, not just if you're in medicine, if you're in any field, yeah, you know, during the pregnancy part, that's like a whole different discussion, but once they're out of your body, that's you know, right. now how to balance everything because you're in the OR like most days, right? So you're super busy, mm -hmm. and I remember like, 
um, your mom and I are friends, yeah. uh, much of friends. And she's yeah. like, my girl just doesn't take five minutes to breathe. She's like, Zeba, like, that's what it makes me think of when <laughs> with you guys, you're constantly go, 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 go. Um, and you never stop. So when I saw you launched a shoe line, I was like, wait a minute, how did she, does she have like a time stopper or something? Like, how did this happen? Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> so a little bit more maybe about work balance and then the birth of your shoe company. Yeah. So, you know, work-life balance, I think it really doesn't exist, to be frankly honest. I mean, like everybody's trying to achieve it, right? But it's like the holy grail. Can you really get it? So you have to do what's right for you, I think, at the end of the day. And you really need to figure out what are your specific needs. So like in my example, you know, one of the first things is that I'm, uh, I'm type A, like I am. Like I have to be in control of everything. It's just something that is inherently a problem. And I have realized it. And I have realized that, you know, if I want to be in like 10 places at one time, like I'm going to have to delegate my tasks out. And, you know, as a woman who's in control of everything, it's very hard to do that, to accept that, you know, you have limitations and it's okay to ask somebody for help. Like you don't want to do that. You feel like if you ask your in-laws for help or your, you know, mostly in-laws, right? Like your parents are still like, hey, mom and dad, help me out. But like in my case, you know, I really needed help. And uh, the only way that I was able to get it is like, hey, my in-laws, like I really need you guys to step up and help me out. Like, you know, I know you're, you know, like you for sometimes I feel like the woman, like they, you want to please so much that it's hard for you to show that you're vulnerable in any way. And so for me, I was like, you know, I need help. You guys have to do the groceries for me. Like, and I had that ability to do so with them. So I asked, right. And then I told my husband, I was like, I want to be able to work. Like, and I really need you to help me out. Like, I really need you to help. And I know that you are really busy in your career, but like my career is just as important too. And so are our children. So like, I need you to help me out. Like, you know, I was constantly asking for help. And I think that that's really different than my parents' generations where my mom, she would never ask for help. She would just do everything for her four kids and I just saw that it caused her to burn out really quickly and I just didn't want that I wanted to be able to have like a healthy work-life balance and so you know anywhere that I could get help like I did it uh, and then you know which is hard right because you you don't want to ask for help all the time uh, the secondary thing is is that you know if the cushions are not perfectly aligned the cushions are not perfectly aligned it's gonna be okay it's not the end of the world yeah like it's okay like, you know i mean i had to really reevaluate like how um OCD I was going to be and I still am because you know like I'm in my field of work like I have to be very very efficient and I have to maximize my time and I don't really sit but um and that's okay with me as long as I know that you know if I'm going to start burning out like I've realized like the things that cause me to do that and then I have to give myself a lot of biofeedback so you know over the years I've like trained myself to like really talk to myself and be like okay Najwa like you know you're really going on 100 miles an hour you need a break and then I just take a break and self-care has you know become one of my most important things and self-care to me is not like going to the spa and like getting a facial like self-care to me is like stopping you know reevaluating where I am and taking a deep breath and like being like okay you know I need a moment to myself like I need to go out and get out go for a hike or I need to work out no, I love that. I love everything you just said. And, and the reality of the situation, like um, we were chatting, I'm like, before I even came on this show, I said it was either I get to work out today or I'm going to wash my hair. I chose to work out because I'm like, you guys can't smell my hair anyway. So it worked out really well. Like these are all, I mean, so, so the, the, it's a fallacy and it's something that has been set 
um, and, and we have to manage those expectations, right? Like concept of we can do it all and there's balance and I'm going to come up. Something is always giving and allowing ourselves the forgiveness, you know, some days it's your kids, some days it's your work, some days it's your house, your house is a mess. I have literally dishes in my kitchen right now, which by the way, is bothering me as I'm talking right now, but I'm like, I'll get to that later. But there always are days and choices that we have to make in order to get there. So, you know, and to your point, delegation is amazing. I am better off spending time with my kids versus cleaning the toilets. So my question to you is you're a boss, babe, you're running a practice with all these people. Why in the world did you decide during COVID to start a shoe company. <laughs> Can I just see like the thought process? But that having been said, I'm buying these shoes because they're beautiful, even if I'm wearing them to the baseball field because I have nowhere else to go. But what were you thinking? Were you did it start off with, you know, I I see this for my children, for my patients need this. So I'm gonna answer some of those. Or did you just say, you know, there's nothing like this on the market and I'm am going to create something? for everybody. What was your thought process? Um, let me try to explain. In the world of orthopedics, it's um, the what you're taught is that you have to wear a stability athletic shoe, right? If you have any type of foot pain, uh, plus orthotics. And so that was just like what I had been trained and I would just recommend that. And the thing is, is that my patients would come in and be like, you know, that's not going to work for my life. Like, it's just not going to work. Like I have to be able to get to a meeting and I just need to be able to wear something, men and women, by the way, not just women. And they're like, you know, there has to be something on the line and there and the thing was is that there wasn't a lot and you know innovation always is something that happens when there's a necessity for it so my initial plan was not to do a shoe line that was never the idea my idea was just to create an orthotic and orthotic is just like an it's like eyeglasses for your eyes so your vision changes so you wear glasses right but something sleek something like that would look good that would be ultra thin you know kind of like how glasses have uh, you know evolved like from the thick big chunky glasses to like the really thin um, lenses that we have now and what ended up happening is is that um my female patients were like they don't fit in my heels like they fit into my flats they fit into like lower heels like kitten heels but they don't fit, fit in my heels and i need heels so i started researching 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 and you know women we know this like when we put on a pair of heels, regardless of where we're going, it just makes you feel a certain way. It elicits a response. You feel sexy. You feel beautiful. You want to wear them, you know, out to places, you know, not obviously when you're taking your kids to the grocery store, but like, you know, it makes you feel a certain way. So my female patients were like, you know, Dr. Javed, like I have two kids and like, you know, when my husband and I go on date night or like if I go out with my friends, like my feet start to kill me after a little while and like I'm stuck in flats all the time. So I started to just research heels and their design and it took about 10 years and I found that either there was comfort or there was style, like, you know, designer style or comfort. And there was just no intersection of the two. And that was really unbelievable for me. Cause like in Silicon Valley, right? Like we're so innovative. We have so much technology, but there had been no innovation in high heels, especially designer heels in forever. So I was like, you know, I could probably make a heel, right? Like how hard it could it be? And my girlfriends were, who are all like, you know, attorneys and physicians and, you know, um, startup founders, they were like, Najra, you have to do this. Like who would be better to do it? And this is about four years ago. Okay. 
And so I was like, yeah, like how hard can it be? So I decide to Google how to make heels and my life has never been the same. But that's so great. So you were going back and forth to Italy during this time and managing um, your practice and trying to be a mom and a wife and all that stuff. Is that what I'm hearing during this whole two year process of you actually designing this year? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of work, guys. It was a lot of work. It was like a lot of sleepless nights, um, you know, doing my clinical hours. I was consulting. I was managing my practice, seeing my patients, being on call, and then, you know, um, trying to launch this startup. And, you know, it was a lot of work. I mean, like a lot of days where I just felt like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Like, is it worth it? And, you know, like my kids, like, you know, I'm trying to like, just make sure that they are, um, you know, becoming model citizens and their development is going okay and they're eating nutritiously and like, you know, their schoolwork is okay. Like, you know, for a mom, like, you know, everything is a priority, right? Like everything is a priority. Your work is a priority. The house is a priority. Your kids are, their clothing, their underwear, their shoe size, like every single thing, like one day I told my husband, I was like, do you think like your, you know, t-shirts and like the kids' underwear is just miraculously get stocked? Like, where do you think they come from? <laughs> like, that's me. That's me hustling every day. They grow underwear, guys. Yeah, like I was like, who do you think? Who yeah, do you think up. manages all of this? Um, your Instagram is at officially in heels. Like, you live in heels. I don't think I've ever known your mom to not no, wear a heel. Like. That. She's like the proper auntie that has the matching clothes with the matching heels every single yes, time. Yes, yes. And, you know, heels are empowering. They're really, they make you feel taller and beautiful. And for some reason, I feel stronger and more confident in heels. I don't know how Zabo feels about that, but I certainly do. Um, and so can you, we talk about how not just heels, but your path, your business building towards heels has been empowering for you? So yeah, I mean, definitely, that's such a great question. So, you know, any brand that you build, right? Like I know, um, you know, women who just have started to use their resources that they have, like, you know, say that they're good in, um, you know, decor, or they're good in something that's like, they're really passionate about like hair or makeup, and they've used those um, traits to build a brand. You know, brand building is very, very difficult. And a lot of times, you know, we don't have the uh, resources or the network or the connection in order to really figure out like what it is, what is it that we need to build this brand? And, you know, coming from medicine, um, you know, medicine, you're research based, you just kind of research everything. So for me, it's like an integral part of my being that I just research and figure out like, you know, where am I going to get my resources? How am I going to figure this out? And so what I'd like to tell women in general, like, you know, um, if you are thinking about building a brand or you want to build a brand or you're in the beginning stages, do it definitely you know like go for it don't ever feel like the risk of doing so is going to outweigh the benefits of it right like so what's going to happen at the end of the day either it'll succeed or and if it doesn't you'll have a great story to tell that's how i feel right like this is my personal journey but I, I will have to tell you how to be strategic about it. So like there's a lot of things like in brand building that people need to know, like, you know, how to get a logo, right? Like, you know, um, what about like uh, your marketing, how your social media, all of these things, these are like critical.
critical things like you can build you can build a shoe you can build a design but like you have to know how to market it right like and for me i'm not i'm not a business person i have no idea how to do any like marketing or like financial planning i didn't know what a runway was i didn't know what a cac was i have no idea i don't know what a kpi is but you know you can learn all of these things and you don't have to so a couple of things you don't have to go to a master's program i did think about that you don't have to there's a lot of resources out there for women <laughs> that yeah, my husband was like, please no more, no more higher education degrees. Like I can't, I cannot like handle another MBA in here. Okay. No, we can't do it. And like mentorship. So let me, let me advise this mentorship is so, so, so important. Like asking for help, as I said in the beginning of this story and now is that literally will help you and save you from so much grief. Venture capitalists are people who will invest um, money in you or your brand, you know, if they um, feel like they have something to get out of it. It's very hard to get VCs to help you, right, uh, in the beginning, especially as a baby brand, because they are all based on numbers. <laughs> it's like a catch-22. You're like, why would a VC, because don't they do this? Don't they invest in people? But they want to see numbers. And when you're a startup brand, you don't have it. But that doesn't mean that you can't ask them for advice, right? Like, that's not that, you know, if you have a CEO of a company, you cannot ask them for advice. So the thing is, is that I, in my own career, um, have had to like find a network and you know i don't come from hbs right like i didn't go to harvard business school i don't have a network of you know entrepreneurs i don't have a network of uh, ceos but you know i realized from listening to a whole bunch of podcasts including like you know how i built this with guy raz and just like empowerment podcasts that nobody knows what the heck they're doing literally nobody knows in the beginning all these people who've made it they had no clue what they were doing and so it's okay to just cold call people and ask them questions. So I did that. I have basically cold call, emailed, I went on LinkedIn. I would send messages um, out over messages, over messages just to get advice. And once I would get a hold of somebody, I would just talk to them. I'd be like, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm uh, wanting to get information about. Is there anybody you can uh, recommend to help me? Or can you be the somebody that would be able to help? And you would be surprised that there's so many networks like the Female Founders Collective. If you don't know it, look it up, um, create and cultivate. If you don't know it, look it up again, you know, Hey mama, these are all, um, the riveter, right? So these are all built in networks where women are helping women and they're empowering them and they're giving them information like my digital marketing strategist. Like I actually found them from the females founder collective. Um, the VC firm that I actually have as my, um, as my mentor, they are um, one of the biggest ones in the nation. They're, they work on females, uh, helping them, you know, get to their dreams and funding them eventually once they have some metrics. And uh, the way that I got to them was through Create and Cultivate. So my recommendation usually is, is that, you know, and if you don't feel like you can reach them because you're nervous or scared, start small. Instagram, you know, on Instagram, I get DMs all the time. Hey, um, I'm wanting to launch a brand. I'd really love a shout out. Can you help me? I'm always about that. I believe in paying it forward. And listen, if there's somebody that you contact and they're not willing to talk to you, they're not worth your time anyways. You're too special for them. Let them go and move forward. Okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you have to empower yourself and to the extent that you can help other people, you've heard it here, you help other people. That's just kind of, that's always been Uzba in my um motto so we the fact that you're even you're living and pursuing it and doing it that's just 
fabulous. But the one of the questions I do know I want to get because we you and I chatted about this before we started um, talking was the the challenges that COVID has placed on you guys. Like, what are some of the um, strategic things that you've put in place to kind of counteract that? Um, how are you, like what advice could you give to a female entrepreneur that's wanting to start something right now? Great. So that's really good. So let me tell you a little bit about COVID and EMAR. Okay. So um, before COVID, right, like our whole strategy for EMAR was, is that to empower a woman so that she wouldn't have to have rescue flats in her shoes, right? Like if you truly wanted to wear a heel or you had any type of foot pathology, you would be able to have one shoe that would be able to really support you through the whole day and be anatomically correcting for you, right? So that was the idea. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, that was our idea from the beginning. Yet with COVID, things changed, right? So like now everybody's working from home and there is this huge sense of like what we had been doing to our environment like we were just like running carelessly right like we would have fast fashion you would go into Nordstrom Rack and like have like a 40% sale on like shoes and buy like 10 of them and then you would dispose of all of those shoes or your clothing and so when COVID hit it actually I had to pause for two weeks I had to like really sit down because all of our marketing strategy had gone out the wayside right so like I was like okay well what what is it that I need to do now and I realized that you know the whole idea of Emar was is that if you had to buy one pair of shoes, right, like to take you and carry you, how good would they be for you, right? Like, would they be able to withstand time? Was there quality in them? So these ones, you know, like we we were advised not to make them in Italy because Italy is so expensive. And for a startup to invest that much money, they were like, don't do it, go to China. And it's not that Chinese products are not good. It's just that what we were specifically looking for could only, only come from Italy. And the reason why is, is that the quality and the design of the carbon fiber and the inlays, we wanted it to you know be able to withstand time so that we're, we didn't have fast fashion we didn't want to do like bulk orders we wanted to do handcrafted things so that each order was specifically made to reduce waste so these were all things that you know we had already been thinking about but when COVID hit it really kind of made us feel like you know we need to do better as consumers right like not only the producers but actually the consumers mm -hmm. like we have to stop this waste so you know, one of the things that we talked about at our factory was is that we didn't want to have continuous waste of the leathers and the tan and the tanneries that were, you know, giving us these leathers. Um, carbon fiber, we utilize this uh, material. This is called carbon fiber, guys. It's an ultra thin, uh, rigid device. But the reason why we used it, even though it's so expensive, is because it is so, so strong that it can last 10 years without cracking or having any issues in it. So these were like really important things for us as a brand, right? And then we decided that once women like we have been in comfortable clothing for the last four months and we don't know how much longer it's going mm -hmm. to be. But the idea is, is that when we do, uh, you know, leave the COVID period, you and I are never going to be uncomfortable again. You know, I'm not going to put my foot in a shoe that causes my fifth toe to go, you know, completely blistered and numb. I'm not going to want a shoe that, you know, chafes the bottom of my ball of foot. I just am not going to want to do that anymore. And so because of these things, you know, we wanted to make sure that when you do invest in an EMAR heel, that it's something that you can use and uh, wear for a long time without having to invest more money in other types of shoes. So that was the idea there, right? So that's how we decided that, okay, you know, what, what was our, um, what was the asset in buying this brand? Now for 
other women, right, who are starting other companies during a global pandemic, I would say that, you know, it's not all about selling your product, right? You might feel like right now at Emar, we're like, okay, you know, it's not about all about selling the product. The idea is, is about what are we giving back, right? What is it that we're standing for? So like for a lot of female products, you know, or um, businesses that are launching, we're asking them, right? Like, do you have any collaborative assets that you can use with other like brands and, you know, utilize those so that you could cause brand awareness? So this is a wonderful time for you to really kind of think about your story and think about what is it that your brand is bringing to the market. And I would say that utilize all of this time because we have time to um, dedicate to brand awareness, collaboration, talking and mentorship, um, you know, advising like what is it that you're going to see in the long term and then hopefully inshallah when things start to open back up and things are better you know people are still purchasing people are still buying things just make sure that what they're buying has a reason and a story behind it that resonates with not only you but them but the consumer also and i think that that was just really important to me um to make sure that we are also giving something back uh, as far as the brand is concerned. And for us, it's not only in our shoe gear, but it's also in our motto. We have like um, uh, a percentage of our proceeds go to, you know, a different uh, charity every single month. So we've been, you know, doing it with Feed America and then uh, Project Glimmer. And then, um, you know, these are uh, Project Glimmer helps underserved um, teen age youth, you know, and women who are in uh, distress. And um, with Feeding America, obviously, it's all the food banks, you know, who have been really struggling to get people in New York and people in like LA who have been hard hit with um, COVID um, and now obviously Texas, right? Like, you know, being able to get those most at risk families uh, food. So those are those are some of the things that we've been really strategizing as far as a brand is concerned. Like what what do we want to be known at at the end of the day? I, lo- I love that. And and it sounds like um it's an investment piece, right? So to your point, when we're done with this, am I ever going to want to be uncomfortable again? I love that you said that because I don't think I want to, but I have seen some people going to their grocery stores, fully dressed up wearing their heels. So I'm like more power to them. I will definitely recommend them to get an EMAR heel because I love that you're giving back to the community. So can you let our, uh, our listeners know right now where they can find you on Instagram um, so that they can reach out to you and tag you? Um, Cause I know I will be purchasing a pair of the, some of these Aiden heels as soon as I get off the phone with you, even if I'm just wearing them around the house for the next couple months i'm definitely going to be doing that oh my gosh you're so sweet well thank you so much for you know like just listening to this story because it's a pretty unique one but um yeah so you can find me if you have questions i obviously would love to you know help you out if you have questions on at officially in heels that's my instagram handle and i actually respond back to every single dm that i get so it's not some robot or somebody else it's actually me yeah so if you if you reach out to me um as i said i've had so many people in the past reach out to me and ask me questions about just startups and you know like how to get information or even like medical questions so i don't give medical advice um but i can just obviously 
guide you and help you if you have specific questions about what you're looking for. So, you know, again, um, the it's it's not medical advice. It's my opinion. Um, you know, given that obviously it's over a um, platform that you know you're not in front of me. But you know, if you have questions, I'd be more than happy to help with that. Um, for Emar Italy, it's actually at Emar Italy, and that's the. Um, Instagram link that you can go to, or, or that's the handle. And then the website is also emaritaly.com. Uh, so it's E-M-A-R-I-T-A-L-Y.com. So you can check out our new collection. We actually have the Raya and the, uh, the Meraki pump. Those are going to be going on presale on July 1st. So we're super excited about those and uh, we'd love to get your feedback. Just let us know what you think about them because that in itself is just a a lot of help for us. Yeah, I can't wait to get my Aidens. I know they're like being shipped right now. I like texted you yesterday or, or DM'd you yesterday. And I was like, oh, you mean they're coming? Like they're not being held hostage anymore in customs? Oh this gosh. is fabulous, let's get them. We're so proud of you and for doing all things outside of the box. Love it. Thanks everybody for joining us on another episode. Assalamualaikum. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzman Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.